is the Wandering Berry Center podcast. I'm your host, Brian. On the other side is Alex. Hey. Um, so we've been doing this for about a year now. This whole podcast. Yeah, I think the actual uh, the year date might have passed by the time you listen to this, but regardless. Yeah. This pretty much marks the year, right? Pretty much. Um, and I was thinking about, so this is episode number 36. Um, and our original plan was to do one per week. And mm-hmm. we did better than 50%, at least. Well, yeah, I actually was thinking about that. Did we ever agree on once every two weeks in the beginning? Or was it always a week? I think we tried to shoot for a week, but... Okay. No, because I was thinking about that. Because, you know, as the year goes on, you're like, oh, well, something came up here. So just this once, <laughs> you know, we'll have to push it off. But then you get to the end and you're like, there's 52 weeks in a year, right? Right. Yeah. Hey, better than 50%. Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. And a year's a long time. So I think you got a lot to, to be proud of. Definitely. I didn't prepare, well, other than uh, it being a year, which has been a lot of fun. Um, I didn't really prepare. I have a cake in front of me. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you did on your side, but I'm eating cake for this. No cake, yeah. Got some Got some water. Uh. Is there space news? I'm pretty sure there is. Oh, there's right? all kind, dude. Space <laughs> news, news. You know, I didn't you even want to talk about space force. Or do you want to talk about um, <laughs> talk about Elon Musk and his zany, wacky adventures? Which uh, what's the latest Elon? So SpaceX is launching. Um, they're doing a test with a rocket that's designed to carry people. And the significance of that is right now we rely on the Russians to get to right. the space station. Right. So all goes well and we move forward with this, you know, rocket that they have. We could be moving our own people to back and forth, you know, to the space station. But what's even crazier about that is it's a private company. Or at least it's a non-government, you know, right. organization. Right. It's a It's a citizen created yeah it's a, it's a so private endeavor wild. for all intents yeah. and purposes versus right. a uh i suppose a public Government endeavor yeah. yeah yeah exactly um which i guess is kind of not true right because spacex is a public company Did they have st- well yeah stock? that's yes they, yeah uh space has oh spacex itself that's a great question mm-hmm. i don't know. that's why i was trying to not use those words but i couldn't think of a better way to to describe it because it's hard to say no, no, because saying it's not public isn't necessarily, or it's not private isn't necessarily true, right? Okay, yeah. Fair enough. Um, but either way, that's that's pretty cool if we can uh, if we can get that done. The as if I'm helping. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, team, let's go. That's right. Come on. We, as in everybody but me, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think uh, SpaceX is publicly traded. Okay. Well no. then, we were right. Um. There was a Japanese effort to land some little probes on a meteorite. I th- well, I guess it's a meteorite when it's coming into mm-hmm. the atmosphere. On mm-hmm. whatever it is when it's out there. Asteroid, I guess. Um, um, so Yeah, well, a meteorite is already through the atmosphere. Correct? Right, right. It doesn't become a... It's a meteor. turns into a meteorite when it breaks through and actually makes it to the Earth, right? Maybe. 
<laughs> maybe. <laughs> I feel like I should I feel like I should know. That sounds pretty good. Okay. Maybe the words are incorrect, but there is a distinction there from is, yeah. pre atmosphere to post and actually conceivably making it to the crust of yeah. the earth. Or maybe exploding, depending or ocean. on Yeah. Depends on what happens, but um so they they sent a ship to rendezvous with you know a giant rock basically and um (laughs) they landed these little probes on it and they they were successful so the little probes i forget how big they are we covered it in a couple episodes ago but um yeah 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 so they did that so that was neat that's awesome so So, what are they trying to get out of that they're just running around um they've got different sensors they're just collecting different data i believe they're going to try to dig into it a little bit um if i remember right they had a really neat little oh they have like a vibration sensor they're going to try to dig into the ground and i forget they had a cool way they're going to dig into the ground it was a you know you have to get creative when you're de- yeah dealing right. with space so what is we probably talked about this so excuse me but the gravity situation on something like that um is there anything because i mean like gravity kind of relies on a spheroid shape right i want to say shape thing so if you have this giant rock what happens i want to say that this thing has enough local gravity that these probes stick to it they have um like little inertia jumpers but it's not a sphere right Mm, it's just some weird shaped rock yeah yeah so the gravity definitely would be different at different points along the road you know it's funny that you bring this up because um this is basically well this is one of the fundamental forces and i was going to talk about another one today so this segue is perfect god god dang so our mathematical (laughs) uh approach to gravity the way we put it down on a graph basically the way we put gravity on a graph and say yep that's how it works Mm -hmm. yeah if you have a dense enough a, a massive enough uh, object and it's mm-hmm. oddly shaped gravity mm-hmm. definitely as far as we're concerned is going to be different at mm-hmm. different points right yeah I'm just that's so interesting if you were if you were theoretically to be on this object walking around you know do you crest a hill and all of a sudden the gravity is I think I mean, obviously it's not not going to change uh, you know like walking over a, a line but um think we you would need a ridiculously sized object to get that to happen because this mm-hmm. one you know we're talking about probes i think i don't know what their mass is but it's gonna have sure. to be so like we couldn't a human couldn't do what these little things are doing on this particular rock yeah right right and i think in order to get a rock big enough to where that's you'd have to have the moon basically as a square <laughs> right <laughs> you <laughs> you walk to like the point of the square right. and you just like you evaporate or something, something <laughs> crazy happens at the corner you're just gone <laughs> nobody goes there <laughs> that's where the math stops working and right. disappear <laughs> we can't calculate what happens over there so we just we recommend you don't go over there that's the negligible negligible part of the equation we just leave that out <laughs> so um i uh so i so we're doing a year in right so i figured i would start Mm-hmm. This this topic is really crafted in the traditional chaotic pattern that we've come up with, where you start <laughs> off with one thing, right? And you're like, oh, that'd be cool. And then it just... Hey, mine's kind of that way, too. So it's good. So um, electromagnetic fields are specifically what um, I wanted to talk about. Uh, but they are, as we were just discussing, gravity. 
electromagnetic fields and, and electromagnetism mm-hmm. are, is, is one of the four fundamental forces of nature. And those You'll are... You'll have to give us the other three, yeah. other than gravity. So I guess the other two. Yeah, the other... So gravity's um, one, and the most mm-hmm. mysterious. There's electromagnet, electromagnetic energy. Mm-hmm. Technically, there's a strong and a weak version of it. Um, and then there's something called the strong force, uh, which has a fundamental and a residual two subcategories. But these forces of nature are... You can describe them as... Um, interactions in nature that do not appear to be reducible to a more basic interaction so it's like the floor of what we're able to observe we can't go any deeper or you haven't yet Um, okay that's that's an interesting concept yeah or way to perspective i should say so this whole thing is going to get super uh weird because okay. when you talk about this, basically, basically, we're going to be talking about the limits of our knowledge, and right. I the just chose line of what you can conceptualize. Right, right. So electromagnetic <laughs> okay. fields, um, I, I think we'll just focus on because it would take. I mean, not only not I only am I not smart I, enough, but we do not have enough time to go through. You know, the other ones in, in all in a one show. Mm-hmm. I actually took a class in electromagnetism in college, so I do have some... I had that I mean, in well, mind? That's yeah. a very weak disclaimer, because let's see what I can actually pull out, but <laughs> it could be nothing. So, yeah. Uh, but I had that in mind right, when I started down this path, because they are... Already. Um, they're insane, electromagnetic fields. They... The way it's, that... It's spooky. <laughs> it, that's... Right? Yes, I agree. I agree. It's really spooky. They're everywhere, and we mm-hmm. wield them uh, like a child wielding, I don't know, something ridiculous. It's like a, in a cartoon where you, like in Dragon Ball Z, and you're able to harness energy and yeah. move it around, and yeah, yeah. that's our version. Um, my, my trouble before you start with yeah, that class, yeah. from a mechanical engineering perspective, which I was focusing on, obviously, mm-hmm. going into a class like that, where it's more of the electrical side of things, I had a hard time because... You can't see anything. All right. of this. I mean, you can see magnets moving and feel it, but there's no, it, you can't see the particles interacting or things like that. So right. there's always this like this, you know, slightly out of reach concept, I guess, in a sense. Well, they, I mean, they're basically these fundamental forces. They're magic, basically. Seems that way. Because, you know, so uh, real quick, we'll go back up to the, the, the higher level uh, leave electromagnetic mm-hmm. yeah. fields there for a second. So this is the whole, ultimately this conversation is the whole, you know, people right now are trying to um, explain all this, these forces, you know, trying to explain mm-hmm. the world. And so you've got these different theories and one of them is the, the two competing ones right now essentially are the, the quantum model and the standard model. The standard model is like what we learned about in school, right? You've got um, mm-hmm. E equals MC squared, all of that. And ultimately, all that, you know, all of wait, we, isn't that, isn't that relativity? E equals MC squared. That's well, it's a mathematical equation that is part of a, a larger system, basically, of math. Which I'm d- too dumb. It's too. It's too good. Okay, I didn't know <laughs> if that directly connected to magnetism in a way. No, not that one specifically. But see, that's the. That's the thing is that's what people are trying to do is they're trying to 
grand unified theory or a theory of everything ultimately is the final thing, which we won't really touch on, but it's ultimately people trying to, to the best of our ability, which is math really, um, Mm. explain everything. And people, the general theme is that there is basically one force that is unifying all of this. And if we can find it, that's what the particle accelerator is for. It's trying so to generate. Is it dark? Is it? Would that theoretically be dark energy and dark matter? Potentially, yeah. Um, okay. Those and are mysterious beings. So or not, we don't know. Yeah. So basically, it's magic, is what I was driving at. Because <laughs> you know, we built this giant ring under Europe that is basically trying to thing. generate energies that you find in stars. That's what it's trying to do. <laughs> You know what that kind of reminds me of? Just slight tangent. Yeah. When me and our cousin were younger, like, you know, I was probably 10. He was a little younger. We would take these Playmobil model cars, go in the living room, and just on the floor, slam them into each other as fast as possible and just watch them explode. And that's kind of what, I mean, usually you would miss and it would, like, slam into your knees or your hands or something. But you would just, we were, like, 10 feet apart and we would just fling them across the carpet as hard as we possibly could. <laughs> the wheels would go everywhere. That's kind of what that... And yeah. it just feels like such a, a childish action. Let's take these things and just slam them together as hard as we can. <laughs> yeah, so, and I mean, there's a great picture there. I mean, we, the human race, are like children trying to... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> trying to trying to navigate their way. And it's good to know, I mean, we're on a good path if we are currently at a humanity level sitting on the carpet and just like slamming stuff into each other because right. th- you're able to get that to that point. Right. <laughs> so yeah, the four fundamental interactions of nature, I suppose is the best. Uh, they're called fundamental interactions. Got to be okay. sciencey about it. Mm. So yeah, it's all magic and it's all crazy. And so, yeah, I just thought we could this, since this got so deep and there's potentially so much yeah, to you talk picked about. A pretty heavy one. Yeah. So, again, that's why we'll talk about the fields because they're really cool. I'm shaking the mic. Okay. Um, and I just figured we could wax poetically about how cool they are for a while. I've got all kinds of – got a little bit of history, got, you know, some examples. Really, mm-hmm. I think one of the craziest things i got a bunch on is how animals appear to leverage elect- uh, all kinds oh, of forces. Cool. But yeah, it will talk about, about electromagnetic energy. One of them, mm-hmm. sharks do it in kind of a gross, but really clever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll be interested to know. We'll, uh, let's see. So, electromagnetic fields and electromagnetism, you know, is just the one sliver of physics, right? It's, it's just. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you have any, real quick. Yeah. Any information on, um, you know, and I guess this, I'm already, I'm already trying to blast through the floor that you described, where the force of magnetism is even coming from? Like, what makes a material magnetic or uh, that? Yeah, so let me prepare. Uh, so this, I thought this sentence, I found this sentence um, really kind of made things pretty clear, or at least as far as we can do it. Um, so from, if you're thinking about quantum physics and classical Mm -hmm. physics, let's just start Mm -hmm. there. Um, and then go, then go to electromagnetic fields in classical physics. This, the field is this smooth, continuous 
propagating wave yeah. of energy. Yeah, it looks like if you were to drop a, a rock in a pond and the right. waves kind of come out. Yeah, that type of thing. In quantum physics, the field is actually billions, millions, too many, I don't even have a word for, particles that each individually interact with the other particles of the universe, which are then held together by some ridiculous force that we don't understand. Uh, so quantum physics is every when your body touches a table, yeah. every particle basically has a match that it's pushing against. Or, or there's at least an energy in there that's functioning in that kind of way. So instead of just this smooth wave, like classical uh, yeah. theory, you've got this millions, not even millions, just a ridiculous number of individual interactions. Uh -huh. Well, we would always draw, like if we were plotting a uh, um, magnetic field, you would basically draw as many as you possibly could, little vectors that show the direction right. of the force at that particular point. And that's um, right. And that's because as we go here, the quantum representation of it seems really good, but mm -hmm. ultimately nobody's been able to mathematically make everything hook up together okay. evenly. So it's, and that's the thing with like light particles is sometimes they act like a wave. Sometimes they act like a particle. It all depends, true. right? And so to answer your question, it seems that for the most part, the theories agree that you have these things called these particles, protons, uh, electrons. You have all those things, mm -hmm. the quarks and all the crazy mm. stuff. It's just mm -hmm. how they're used and how they act. And I guess probably okay. some argument over certain ones existing or not. Um, it seems they agree that most of the time that's it particles exist it's just how they're used yeah okay that or how they interact that is what mm -hmm. they're ultimately trying to explain they not me i'm just <laughs> <laughs> i'm just siphoning up the information and right regurgitating it Pick, in a poor... picking out picking out the kind or the information that we can understand right so no i mean going through this stuff it really makes ties your head in knots sometimes especially for me mm -hmm. like the actual math that people come up with to, to describe this stuff it's just it is a little yeah you wonder like the type of person that can come up with equations <sighs> like that or the team like what their level of thinking is at on a daily basis breaks my head <laughs> for sure um so geez <clears throat> so let's see i guess some history so Electromagnetic fields, um, the reason you've got both words there, at mm -hmm. first magnet, magnet energy and then electricity were thought to be two separate things. And right. then at some point somebody realized, oh wait, it's actually all one thing. And the best way to think about that is somebody figured out that you can take a wire, wrap it around iron, and if you wrap copper wire in, in a nice pattern around that uh, piece of iron you're going to create an electromagnet and that's when mm -hmm. people are like oh wait uh, you know two forces of the same or two parts of the same thing really mm -hmm. um, so a bunch of people I'll just name some names but 1860s is when people started to try to throw this stuff together you know people have been working on it for a long time of course but um, you have this guy James Clerk Maxwell uh, 1861 he published a book that had it was he was pulling from other, as so often happens in science, he was pulling mm -hmm. from other um, 
people, but he released uh, four equations that attempted to describe various things about electricity. Um, you've got Gauss's law, which is, I forget, I should have looked up his first name, but the guy's last name is Gauss, um, describes the relation between static energy fields and the electric charges that cause it. He's also okay. got a law for magnetism. You've got this guy, Faraday. If you've ever heard of a Faraday cage, um, basically it's like... Yeah, Mike, Michael Faraday, right? I believe First so, name? yes. Yep. Um, and Faraday... He was he was before Tesla, I think, right? I believe, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I suppose his... Um, the Faraday's law, I should say, not just the guy. His that particular law describes the phenomenon known as electromagnetic induction, which is yeah, when the field changes, so it goes from being weak to strong. Let's say, um, yeah, by basically, it's it's really interesting. You take like a coil of wire, and when you pass the electricity through it, depending on how many coils you have, you basically make a little transformer. And that's how you're stepping up and down current, basically, right. or voltage rather. I believe that's Faraday's law. Is is that um, you know interaction? Well, and and so Faraday's law goes. It's one level, not one level. It's a, it's I guess a little bit different than what you were just describing because um, this one's talking about if you had that uh, level of uh, coil wrap, right? It's just whatever mm-hmm. whatever you've got, and you change the amount of electric energy you're putting into it you can get a different um you actually get a physical pushing force and it's the what they described it as being the it's the basic idea that makes electric motors work yeah you put a you make that coil and then you put a magnetic shaft in there and they and then you can apply different loads of electricity to it Mm -hmm. to get varying energies out of it so the change of the field you know the adding and removing electricity gives you this Mm -hmm. uh energy that mo- literally moves stuff like that's, that's so crazy <laughs> you know you can push without seeing it's 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 ridiculous electric so motors which the... are that's not so real quick sorry electric motors yep. are one of the things that i think about all the time they're everywhere they're fascinating and they, they're everywhere they're little cylinders of magic you know just everywhere <laughs> they control a lot of things yeah sorry um, go ahead. No, I just I think the. I was trying to conceptualize for the listeners what is actually happening with the force to turn the motor, because you have the you have to apply the electricity which goes through In the a wire coil, way. right? So you have the electrons, these particles moving through the wire. And those electrons are creating the magnetic force, which then, if you have the motor shaft inside of that coil where you now have the electricity spinning around and pushing, then that's going to interact with the magnetic aspect of the shaft, right? You, you put magnets on it. Right. So now that electrical force is pushing against that other magnetic force, thus spinning. Because they're basically one in the same energy. So this, Mm -hmm. even though the magnet, the magnet in there is in a certain sense, it's kind of inert, right? It doesn't actually have anything, there's no energy necessarily directly going to it, yet it emits this. It gets yeah, interacted. Yeah, being on. magnetic is its own. Right. I just find it ridiculous. Force, right? You know, you have an electromagnetic. Jeez. 
magnet. You have an electromagnet, which is like mm-hmm. when you turn it on, it goes crazy. And then when you turn it off, it dies. It doesn't, it, or at least reduces significantly. Versus you mm-hmm. just have passive magnets where right. they just nothing's happening to them. They just are magnetic and they're just waiting to either interact on or be interacted with, you know. It's kind of nutty, isn't it? I certainly think so. <laughs> I don't think about but it a lot. No I'm kidding. There's no free lunch, so that motor is, you know, obviously taking electrical power that's generated in some from way from something. Yep. From something to spin, and then you have waste friction and heat and all that. Right. Granted, they're extremely efficient as far as uh, that goes, but there's still waste. Jumping back up to the fundamental thing, uh, the mm-hmm. the interactions, one of the like logical endpoints, I guess you might say, uh, is as energy temperature increases, a lot of the effects of certain things start to go away or become less intense. Things get weaker. And so it's thought that there's mm-hmm. like this single energy point that makes everything the same. And that's kind of like what people are trying to mathematically describe. Which could also be described as like the heat death of the universe, where just everything is. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on, that was a big. Well, you went you went from everything's cool and it has its place to everything's dead. It just <laughs> seems that like there's when te- what you know. Uh, so temperature is the movement of particles back and forth. Basically, that's what generates yeah, heat. Sure. Mm-hmm. That energy. Ultimately, we don't understand. And so when, but what we can... You mean t- the, 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 what's causing the particles to vibrate? Yeah, essentially. Great heat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but what we can observe is that when you raise that energy via means that mm-hmm. we know at least raise energy, but ultimately don't really know, you know, we just know how to use it. Um, it, so it seems to level the playing field amongst these different forces. So it's thought that there's got to be whatever that energy is that like you could say it this way. It's, it's more complicated than this. I have to imagine, but whatever that energy is, is has the ability to interact with all these forces. So it must mm-hmm. have, there must be a link. There must be something in there that you, you know, that we can explain. I see what you're saying. It, it could be another particle is, is I suppose one way to think about it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's... something that something that creates that link. Right, we're missing. Hmm. What if it's tiny little robots in there? That would be. Or, but then, what are the know, tiny little robots made of? Well, that's actually why I screwed myself by saying that because I was because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say after that um, we're going to get in there and realize that there's not just one more level. There's many more or oh, something God. like that, right? Yeah. Could. Very well could. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, it happened with, um, you know, we got to the nucleus of the atom. Yeah. And what we believe is going on there. And then they were like, oh, wait, there's these things called quarks and they're inside right. there. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I already made the models. Right, right. I spent all this money. Actually, it, Yeah. And real quick, I'm trying to remember, and I was before, the name of the electron, you know, nucleus model that you use in school. The ones you draw where it just looks like little orbits. Mm-hmm. 
I want to call it the boron model, but I know that I don't think that's right. Boron is an element, right? That's not. Um, I think you're, I think you're pretty close. You're talking about the electromagnetic, or not the electromagnetic, like the atoms jumping, the electrons jumping up and down and changing. Yeah, you draw, you know, you have your nucleus with a certain protons and right. neutrons in it, and then you draw the shells, you know, and, and then you put your electrons on there, and usually when you draw it, you distribute them all nicely. And I think you're talking about cool. a Bohr model, B-O-H-R. Just Bohr? Just Bohr, yeah. Okay, that actually sounds right. That was close. Yeah, definitely, because there is uh, a molecule, uh, or... Because there's more, like, advanced... Boron. There's something called boron, yeah. so... Yeah, exactly, that's why I didn't think they would use the same. Yeah. Um, so let's see, we'll, we'll do the animal stuff last because it's really cool. So yeah, electromagnetic fields, they are just, again, something incredible and they're everywhere. So I've got some examples of some outside of the animal world, which we'll get to, but, mm -hmm. uh, let's see. I can't decide which one, <laughs> I can't decide which one to pick is really <laughs> what's going on right now. Um, I guess the earth. Uh, the magnetic shield around the Earth, protecting us from all things space dust and space radiation. So the Earth we owe that shield a lot. We owe we owe that shield everything. <laughs> all you got to do is go look at Mars to see what it looks like. the The primary theory is that one way or the other, the Mars mm -hmm. lost its magnetic nature. You know, Earth has oh. a magnetic core, right? And Mars either probably cooled down first and then lost its magnetic abilities and the shield weakened and it basically got beat to death by the sun. Interesting. But I thought it was all iron, which is part of, you know, why it's so red. It's like oxidation. The heat is a big part of it. The fact that the okay. Earth's core is still churning and, and, and hot is what mm -hmm. allows us mm -hmm. to live. <laughs> Okay. So we gotta, we I told you this, this is this somebody is a needs big... to go down there and stoke the fire a little bit to. Uh, this is a big topic. Make sure we're good. <laughs> Covers a lot of things. Um, yeah, I like it. It's my kind of thing. It's it's massive and we can't understand it. Um, <laughs> so taken on too much. <laughs> so I mean that's that's basically what it is it just imagine you know the... and that's responsible for the magnetic poles and yep. Yep. you know the north pole the true north and true south and yep that as well and um, allows compasses to work right and it's it's wild uh, actually your your question about um the changes in gravity on the asteroid there are mm -hmm. points on the earth where the the fields there are local fields that are not not really that's not mm -hmm. the right way to say it um well, I guess it is and it isn't. There are points on well, Earth where the, the gravity yeah. gravity force is different than other points. Well, the Earth is not a perfect sphere. It's and I actually just read this. It's um, I know. Okay, so he gave two examples. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, in one of his books, he gave two examples about the Earth not being perfectly a sphere. So his high bar example was like a ten percent. Saturn is ten percent elongated saturn which is? is actually at saturn so that's enough to look at it through a regular basic ass telescope you can look at saturn and say that is not a perfect circle or a sphere oh okay um yeah and parts that's and that's because it's so big 
or in part. So wait, Saturn, we know for sure, is not a perfect circle. It's not. It's okay. 10% elongated in one direction. I don't know what that di- that direction. It's in space, so it doesn't matter. And I'm probably not. Um, <laughs> the Earth is way smaller, but it's still subject to gravity spinning it around and making it not a perfect circle. Okay, yep. But it's like 0.1%, something like that. So very small. You know, it equates to like a 20-mile difference across diameters hmm. if you slice it into quarters. Um, so yeah, that's that pretty is, good. I would imagine change the, the gravity, right? indistinguishably in bleh, indistinguishably but um to some amount right yeah definitely and i think there's also um well there's material in the earth and all that sort of thing that's going to change stuff and yeah mm-hmm. um one of the really fascinating scary ridiculous things about it is we have evidence that the magnetic uh, poles have shifted and actually flipped over the years so the yeah, way they're not they're not a static thing no so not only does true north kind of change and actually we've mm-hmm. we've been mapping it since like 1850 or something like that mm-hmm. um and it's changed more than you look at it and you go wait what <laughs> um but in general it you know it's still i guess it's still kind mm-hmm. of in the same place uh, anyway so it's got its own little drift that it'll do, but then we've actually mm-hmm. looking at uh, igneous rock that has solidified from volcano uh, flows or whatever lava flows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That rock, when it solidifies, captures the carbon molecules and whatnot, the magnetic elements in it. They orient themselves when it cools. That's so cool. And we have seen patterns in these mm-hmm. rocks that a really good explanation would be that the poles switched. Now, the scary thing about that is when the poles switch, the shield goes away. Oh, yeah. I was going to say your GPS is wrong. Well, that's, that's way more serious. Yeah, the shield goes yeah, away. That doesn't matter if, if you're dying in the heat and space dust. Well, whatever. and radiation. So radiation. That's right. Yeah, you. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad when the shield's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is one of those things that like. We don't we don't really have a good idea how long like it could have been as quick as a couple years maybe maybe it took 300 years to flip we don't really have a good they're not that accurate yeah i don't i don't think so. at least i i don't think so um but yeah so that's to me it's one that's of those really interesting it's one of those things that when you look back in history there are going to be events or things that happen that you can't really explain or or whatever and you know radiation and like warming and all that sort of thing could be one of those elements that you know you could plug into mm-hmm. the, the, the puzzle of history i suppose well i know they're able to track the the drift of the poles because you know we do legitimately have to update the gps coordinates right. of where true north is right. and all that stuff um which is so we're able to track it so assuming it, it happens gradually um we would be able to say, okay, it happens it's going way off base. It happens ir- yeah. in irregular intervals and and goes mm-hmm. in a regular direction, like. But I meant the flipping part. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we got nothing. Like maybe all of a sudden it would be like, okay, this is significantly different than it's been before, at least on our records. Yeah. We need to brace ourselves. I don't. Do you think everybody would walk around in those? You know, like when you go to the dentist and you need to have an X-ray on your face. Uh huh. 
and they make you wear like the x-ray shield yeah. on your chest yeah <laughs> do you think that would be like the trendy thing to wear i'm not even you have to you have to wear that i don't even know <laughs> not to be too dark but i'm not sure that we i mean we're not prepared for that all of our electrical equipment would fail everything would you know so yeah we can't rely on good old coal burning <laughs> to keep ourselves <laughs> i don't think at this point no i mean at, at a certain point yeah if we were you know if we regressed far enough you know and yeah. then yes we could but as things stand to, right you know, now keep the lights on and stuff yeah maybe i just i think also just depending on how bad it is the amount of yeah. radiation that's getting in is probably a lot it's just gonna kill you yeah so yeah let's hope that doesn't happen in the meantime okay. we've got things <laughs> like so you go from that ridiculous scale right the earth is mm. a giant magnet in a certain sense mm. all the way down to tiny 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 little magnets that we manipulate to do awesome things like um maglev trains those, oh, yeah. those work literally instead of wheels you we manipulate the force that we don't understand to mm-hmm. lift uh the train off the tracks so that's nothing is touching as far as we're concerned and then we mm-hmm. make it go super fast by also accelerating it with magnetic energy so not only do we hold the train up with this force but we push it forward and uh no we don't bring it i think they use traditional brakes maybe not how would you use traditional brakes if it's not touching anything? Good point. Good point. They actually do have wheels because once you lower the, the electric energy going to the magnets enough, the train obviously has to come to a rest. So yeah, they actually do true. have wheels. But uh, when they're going 250 miles an hour, they don't use those wheels. Freaking awesome. So yeah, you got maglev trains, which is just... <laughs> it's amazing. That's, um, that's wonderful. We don't. We don't. No, we don't. We should. A lot of other places in the world do, but yeah. we can't have that can't figure it out so um that's actually um can i throw in an oh example? yeah of course please um so they've got it on certain vehicle sunroofs but you can also do this to like uh you know like a window in your house or whatever any piece of glass basically active tint or not active but dynamic tint i'll put it that way um so basically inside the glass you have kind of what you were describing with the rocks magnetic particles and depending on how you would apply an electric voltage to the piece of glass or this filament that's essentially sandwiched in between the glass, turn the electricity off and the little particles, think of them like little grains of rice, Yeah, they go parallel with each other, <laughs> facing upwards, so, so they let the light through, right? So now your glass isn't tinted. And then you put electricity through it and they turn 90 degrees and close. Now you have, you have little grains of rice standing up next to each other in the first part the electricity and now they're laying down next to each other to close the window essentially so and then you can apply varying degrees of electricity to change the level of tint faraday's um, law is what you just described right there kind of freaking cool right um <laughs> the I, i'm a broken record but i have to again point out the incredible gap between how casual the flipping of a switch <laughs> and yeah. making that work to mm-hmm. I, I'm struggling to even describe it. You know, just that the radiation can... death of the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's yes. Exactly. Although linked to some degree, because the dynamic sunroof is going to help keep keep you sun cool. rays out of your vehicle. So 
not all that far apart. <laughs> all right, let's um, let's jump into the animals because sure. So this is yet another amazing part about the forces of nature, and then this one in particular is that not only are we doing all this stuff, manipulating it, but so has nature itself, and the animals have come up. Certain ones have come up with ways to leverage this energy as well and it's just Mm -hmm. it's crazy so yeah um we could start with um one and i suppose i'll say the other thing is we really don't know how they do it so homing pigeons ultimately the jury is out on how homing pigeons do what they do we don't we're just done trying we don't well no 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 there's people people, (laughs) we got people on it but um (laughs) There's uh, they have like a collection of iron and magnetic material in their beak, mm-hmm. but just having how does just having iron in your you know how do you convert the electromagnetic field? How do you take that yeah. and biologically convert it into something that the bird's brain can say, "Oh, go this way." So this this is probably not it because if I were to figure this out right here. <laughs> trademark that's not happening but where my brain goes (laughs) which maybe i shouldn't say is you can have particles sensitive enough sensitive enough in rocks that as they cool they align themselves right right the so why can't yeah yeah why can't the magnetic material in the beak align itself to the poles and then that information is translated somehow within the bird's face to from its beak to some special part of its brain that is able to you know what i imagine is you know how when you're riding a horse you have the reins and you pull right on its face you pull left on its face mm-hmm. what if that's kind of how the, i think <laughs> you no you you went to you went to a good place because that is definitely um the bird's basically a compass right just but it's able to say okay i'm this here's the path of least resistance, but if I'm, it feels like there's this much tugging when I go this way. I kind of know I'm going right. right of north versus left of north. And it associates simple, associates but... the amount of tugging with yeah, with exactly. whatever. No, I think I I think uh, that is a really good approach to how to think about it. I think that is kind of how it might work. I mean, that seems really logical, but it's we don't actually have we, nobody can point to the part of the brain, the right, cell, right. or whatever. Nobody yeah. can actually point to and say, yeah, that's what is causing that. Um, so how do we know they're using it then? We know that there's magnetic material there, but how do you know it's so, actually utilizing it? We'll get there in just a second. Good, um, we've done tests, basically. There, We've come up with a variety of tests. I think I have a couple. Um, I should be able to answer your question a couple different ways. Um, and there's some observed behavior that we can look at and mm-hmm. our best guess, yeah, I suppose, sense. at least, would be mm-hmm. it would make a lot of sense if they were somehow able to sense electromagnetic energy. That if they were able to do that, this would explain that behavior. Right. Right. Okay. So magnetoreception is what we're talking about in the animals. Um, it's present down in bacteria, which is really interesting because we actually can describe because bacteria are so small. We actually are have a really good theory on how they do it, but how it works at the there's a special word for it um, the macro level maybe let's say if you want to consider mm-hmm. bacteria micro 
how it works up at the pigeon level, we don't actually, they don't, they don't really work. Then there is a theory, of course, trying to unify them. So there's an, seems to be a common theme. So we started up with, um, you know, the fundamental forces of nature. There's people working on unifying all that, but there's also people working on, you know, unifying how do animals do it, which yeah, is right. yeah. So awesome. um, the bacteria have they just put magnet in front of everything, magnetosomes. <laughs> <laughs> feels like you're naming the second 400 pokemon you're just like i don't know fucking magneto this and magneto that yeah well and there's magneto tacto bacteria that's what we're talking about so bacteria that are able to react to magnetic energy are called magneto tacto and they have magnetosomes i think is how you say that and they are nanometer they're nanometer sized particles of metal basically iron sulfide or magnetite enclosed within a cell and the uh, cell essentially acts as a magnetic dipole so you have a north and a south and the proteins Mm -hmm. connect to that iron and that those proteins allow it to interpret those poles north and south so that's how the bacteria actually do it so they they literally latch on they in a certain sense they literally absorb they surround iron Mm. and they just manipulate it. They manipulate material within a cell. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. I, I don't even know what question to ask. No, it's crazy. <laughs> like why or how? Or, so to me, it would make know. a lot of sense, right? If some version, and I think that's basically what you were describing earlier. Kind of. Uh, it would make a lot of sense that that's how it scales up, or it has. It, you have to believe mm-hmm. it scales up similar in that way. And it, it is interesting that we don't even don't even really have um a good way to describe it yeah so there are i mean how is something so basic like that manipulate like where does he even get the idea to start manipulating this iron that's i do not know (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah i do why is what i'm asking yeah no there's a great (laughs) question nobody's got one nobody's got an answer to yeah it's and it even, I still even, you know, I know I just explained it, but to me, like, it still leaves me wanting a little bit of, like, yeah, but how does it actually... Right, what are the mechanics right. of what's happening? But ultimately, it is it is able to feel, I think the cell is able to feel the tug. I think that's, I think you had it. Mm-hmm. I think it's able to just be like, okay, because I've enclosed this piece I mean, it's of... it's got to be a physical thing. Yeah. It's... Yeah. There's no mental it has to be. Yeah. capacity happening there. So so it's, you know, because it physically surrounded this piece of metal, it can physically feel it turning left and right mm-hmm. or up and down or whatever. So, That's yeah. Pretty nutty. So I thought I debated whether or not to go into these because um, it uses this. There's this other theory that goes along with it that is just. All right. So there's these going up to the macro level um mm-hmm. the the mechanism for magnetoreception is ultimately unknown there are two main current theories both of which have issues so one is a cell basically called a cryptochrome um and there's something called um a free radical which is basically like mm-hmm. a, do you know what a free radical is 
maybe uh no i couldn't tell you i just know i heard the term um it's basically like when energy is added to a system free radicals i guess can be kind of thought as like particles jumping out of the system in an unpredictable currently way like they just you know they shoot it's like radiation just kind of like particles shooting off Hmm. in a in a way that's kind of what it is i don't think what kind of particles um it's electrons so electrons basically spewing out from whatever system isn't that radiation in a sense yeah in a sense but electrons i don't think are normally what's in when you when you traditionally think about radiation mm-hmm. um that is uh i don't think it's electrons that do the damage no. okay interesting okay so these free radicals they get excited by blue light mm-hmm. um and they, when they fling off in these directions, basically the theory is that this cell uses the magnetic energy that that little system creates to, that's the physical thing it's feeling, and then it's able to feel the tug from there. The cell is surrounding, is somehow encapsulating this piece of chemistry, basically, that I don't understand. And it, so within the cell, basically this free this free radical thing is happening, and the cell is somehow able to feel basically the the energy of that free radical shooting off, and the magnetic energy mm-hmm. resulting from that. It's able to apparently mimic in a certain way what the bacteria were doing. But there's all kinds of problems with that that are smarter than me. Um, the other major theory. Uh, well, I guess the blue light, so electrons are excited by blue light, and that's what makes the system happen. Um, okay. But that whole, we'll, we'll skip over why for the most part, but the fact that it needs blue light is actually kind of mm-hmm. a problem with the whole theory at its core. Um, electromagnetic fields don't really emit enough blue light for this to work, at least as we currently think of things but that's the fundamentals of the theory yeah yeah Hmm. is that oh yeah sorry electromagnetic fields produce blue light blue light activates this little system boom okay i got you sorry forgot about that part (laughs) (laughs) left i left the connecting dots at the end of everything um the other theory is that large clusters of iron basically exist in the animals and just exactly the same thing as what's going on with the bacteria is happening. Right. You know, larger scale. Yep. Hmm. All right. Uh, so what other, what other animals have a similar sense or capability? Fruit flies are one that we've studied. Um, it appears we can train them to respond to magnetic fields. Um, so in a choice test, flies were loaded into an apparatus with two arms that were surrounded by electrical coils. Current was run through each of the coils, but only one was configured to produce a particular energy, a five Gauss magnetic field. Mm -hmm. The flies in this maze were then tested on their ability. So then the food was associated with that field, the -hmm. the particular five Gauss field. And then from there, they basically tested were the flies able to recognize five Gauss equals food and therefore prefer going to the the five gauss food field even when food wasn't present that makes sense okay yeah i was gonna say couldn't it just be the fact that there's food? right so you introduce the food right. to make the uh 
five gauss appropriate or uh, association right right mm-hmm. the oh my god and then you take it away and right what's that guy's yeah. name okay. i'm forgetting oh pavlov there we go pavlov yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one. So yeah, fruit flies appear to be able to, to detect magnetic fields and use that as a basis to make a decision, which is wild. Bees do it. Bees, we have no idea how bees work. It's so hilarious. <laughs> that's a whole other. We'll do bees someday, but it's that's a good one actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll do them someday. All right. But uh, someday we have no idea how they work. It's amazing. It's so interesting. Something so seemingly simple. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't know. Um, fish, they have this thing called a lateral line. It's literally, I guess it's quite descriptive. And some fish, you can really see this line that goes from you know head to tail. Mm-hmm. And in there is some kind of, it would make sense that there's some kind of electromagnetic sensing ability when they school up. And when one fish turns, the rest of them can sense it. That's how they're able to... Uh, you know, coordinate like their move movements. Like a right. cloud in the water. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. So so that's an example of observed. Like, we didn't really test that one. We just look at mm-hmm. that and go. It's just a theory. Right. Yeah. Look at that and go, okay, what? <laughs> yeah, how are they reacting like that? How are they moving like that? <clears throat> one, um, so I, I mentioned sharks earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the gross thing. So this one's interesting because... It's, it's different than all the others. So actually think, keep the lateral line in, in your head, the fish. Think about the lateral line. There's no room for anything in the lateral line. It's like this, it's very strange. What do you mean there's no room? Well, it'll make, I guess it'll make more sense in a second. So the sharks have this organ on the front. A lot of sharks do have this organ on the front. We've all heard that they have, you know, they can kind of sense electrical fields, some of them with their noses. Mm-hmm. So there's an organ in there called the ampullae or ampullae i don't really amp you know amplitude mm. u-l-l-a-e the ampullae of okay. lorenzini okay yeah um so this one is interesting somebody wanted to get credit for that yeah so this one <laughs> it detects changes specifically the changes which is interesting because remember a changing electromagnetic field produ- is what produces a physical force a field just sitting there doesn't that isn't changing doesn't really produce the same type of force that a moving one does so the shark is specifically sensing a changing field the force resulting from a changing field versus passively sensing just fields in general like a homing pigeon does a homing pigeon is feeling is just it's just flying around and is just able to know i gotta go north versus the shark where it's like it's it's looking for a change in these fields and the way it does that is it has these um canals that connect from the skin up to mucus filled sacs in the flesh and this whole system is basically uh gets pushed on or pulled on by the changing electromagnetic fields produced by fish moving and all that sort of thing yeah and so then this is this is for the fish moving, right so then the mucus in those sacs is what translates to the physical the shark is able to feel the mucus moving and therefore can say okay left or right interesting so it's like having an entire another set i mean of senses is what it is yeah 
you know, vision. It'd be smell. like it'd be like a. It's kind of like being able to feel gravity. You could think of it that way. It's they're two mm-hmm. different forces, but if you could somehow feel gravity, like I know we I can feel it. Well, you can feel it, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Distinguish it from everything else. Every everything else <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um. So. Fun fact, they're capable of detecting DC currents, not AC. The sharks? Yeah, the sharks. That's why Tesla was pushing so hard for AC. He was scared of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we actually use, uh, you know, divers have those things now uh, that generate, they're basically just electromagnets that they could wear on themselves and activate them, and they push the sharks away. Sharks don't oh, like it. That's awesome. Just because, oh, it bothers them. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. so salamanders toads uh, can all do it turtles that's how you know when a, a turtle hatches from the egg and makes it in the ocean mm-hmm. it's navigating we suspect at least from then on out that's so cool it, that we literally have a nature has a built in force of navigation it's it's amazing that's that's incredible um, so we can uh we can kind of wrap that up um you know there's a million and a half things we could talk about but uh definitely um yeah it's just amazing to me that we can't explain a lot of this and something so fundamental right and the and the animals that aspect of it you know they're using it too that's incredible to Mm -hmm. me like yeah that's really cool and it's just like in their in their instincts and in their DNA to just have that built in. Right. And so cool. Good thing people are working on this. Yeah. Right. People are good thing. <laughs> All right. So do you want to move on? Then? Yeah. Okay. Unless you, I mean, unless you have other things to say, but I think. Uh, no. Nope. I think I, we talked. Like you said, it can bit. either. It can either talk forever or. Or call it. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> my topic couldn't be more different (laughs) perfect (laughs) but that being said um it did start out one way and then um kind of get out of hand or uh you know it didn't end up exactly how i expected it to from the beginning so in true wandering very center fashion that is the case now, are you stalling right now because you don't have a connection, or I don't have a connection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying to think of one, but I just I. Well, okay, well, hang on. Let me let me throw you some uh, some lifelines. Throw me some. Throw me some lifelines. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> electromagnetic fields. I mean, they interact with tons of shit, right? So there's got to be something. That's true. Um... There's got to be. Okay, so <laughs> this is really a stretch. Um, the TVs that we used to watch our favorite '90s cartoon shows would not have been possible without the forces of magnetism and electricity to enact or to create the coils that you know or work the tube. Right? We watched it on a tube TV. That's using. I don't really know how they work totally, but yes. we're going to say it's magnetism. <laughs> I think that's a perfect segue because ultimately we don't know how anything works. Exactly. 
That's true, actually. That's not that inappropriate. No. Um, yeah, so this one has been on my list for a long time, and I didn't necessarily do it, but then I figured for a year's anniversary, it would be kind of fun to just to, to do something silly and fun. I think um, that's awesome, because we just had a 50-minute science session, so let's turn, turn the brains off. That's out. true, yeah. so it'll be a nice little brain... Uh, decompress. You know, decompress, exactly. So my, my goal was to not just discuss you know randomly the tv shows i was trying to um what i was particularly interested in was the motivation behind creating a certain show like why did somebody think of Hmm. you know okay certain show like like is there something that triggered a you know cartoonist or artist or whatever to be like yeah i want to make you know rocket power that's (laughs) that's what i'm gonna do so i was trying to find that information and it is wasn't as obvious as I was hoping, but I did, I did, uh, you know, find some interesting stuff out about a bunch of shows. Well, because I think now, one, uh, one of the reasons, not hopefully not taking thunder away, but no, you're good. I guess the most obvious reason and the the least cool one is I might be good at this, so I'm just doing this to make money. There's <laughs> there's the only motivation I have. Well, that that's the motivation to be a cartoonist or you know producer or whatever somebody that's coming up with these shows but somebody you know a lot of these people or every single one of them right are gonna have multiple shows multiple projects whatever it is what made somebody create rocket power over another show they could have created was there something that happened in their life that they were like you know i want to make this particular show over and so do they have a message in contrast to someone yeah just making a message for or no reason yeah exactly um so I, I found that for some of them and then not for others um so let me ask you this the re- the reason it really got i've never thought about this out yet. of hand sorry go ahead, go ahead no you're you're fine um there's one show in particular that I have significantly more information on than the other because there was so much information available, and it's one of the greats. So I kind of collected a lot for one, and then the others are less intensive. Okay. So we can either finish with that one or start there and just focus on that one primarily because it is, it's a, you'll enjoy it. Um, How do you want to approach? I saved the animals for last. So, so maybe, you want to dive right into uh, the maybe good we one? drive dive right into it, yeah. Okay, Invader Zim. No. Okay, yeah. wait a second. I was sitting here trying to think <laughs> which I had Invader Zim in my head, and then I said, "Wait, yeah. that show's insane!" Like, but it was okay. It was also way, but it's like not for kids. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot of information on that, and it, Holy I'm crap. glad you okay. brought that up because that is so interesting. So, yeah, so I just started to look up our, my favorite ones in this list. So, we at the end, we can just try to brain dump as many other great cartoons as possible. Okay. Um, but this one just That's had so much so information funny. and so much background. It's so cool. I've never um, thought about this before. I'm pretty excited. Like, I've like never even... where the show came from and yeah. all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, before we start, in your opinion... <laughs> Not that we watch cartoons on a regular basis, Not but anymore. were 90s cartoons just that much better, or are we just overly biased? I have to guess, this is, oh, give me a second here, 
to build on this. Um, <laughs> so you have to be careful, right? There's the whole, like, m- people latch on to what they grew up with, right? So an old person Definitely. says... Oh, yeah. There's... Right. There, it's impossible for us to say there is zero yeah. bias. So... That is impossible. <laughs> then you have to kind of look at just, like, the context of the situations and mm-hmm. what was allowed and what wasn't and what was going on. And I think the internet changed entertainment and communication and all that right on a that's true ridiculous level one of those levels is it it was a crazy money it turned into a crazy money-making machine and i think nowadays the internet you mean yeah yeah i think nowadays the like it almost to me and this could just because i'm older the the lust and the drive for money is so ferocious that Mm. art and creativity get destroyed because of that right but I think that's also always been a thing. So very long-winded. I want to say yes, that the shows mm-hmm. were that good. But then I would probably be incorrect in saying that all shows today are bad, just like all shows. Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying that. Yeah, I just think that maybe there were more solid options compared to today. And well, I then you also had, that, but so like in our world. There were just so many. <laughs> you know, you had Nickelodeon and you had Cartoon Network, which were venues yep. for cartoons mm-hmm. and if you didn't get onto those networks you weren't going to get the exposure so who knows what right. ideas were kicking around and yeah you know so there's a lot of competition and it's a lot of luck you had you had gatekeepers to these totally. networks that you totally. don't necessarily have to certain aspects on the internet you do to certain areas right but um you can find anything you want so this was more those gatekeepers only allowed Ideally, what they found to be the best of the best, right? Yeah. And actually, that comment of the gatekeeper, I'm actually going to throw away my argument from a second ago. Or not throw away, but the other side of the internet is that, like, and what YouTube was, let's say, at first, was a totally free platform for people to do whatever they want. So if you want to look at it that way, there's probably way more better cartoons actually making it into some form today than there were 20 years ago. Right. It's just less focused and right. less uh, right. discoverable. But there's no doubt about it that Invader Zim is a dope show. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So I actually watched an episode earlier today. Awesome. While I was, while I was uh, doing some other stuff just to get in the spirit. Um, oh, but yeah, so Invader Zim. So it was created by a guy named, and I'm going to probably butcher his last name, but Jonan Vasquez. V-A-S-Q-U-E-Z. It might just be Vasquez. Yeah. His first name is Jonan, though. Jonan Vasquez. It might be Johan, then? Mm, J-H-O-N-E-N? Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm no, I'm not the person to ever. I shouldn't have commented. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have well, we no business thing, commenting so on, you know, come pronunciations up with own, uh, or anything. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, this show was on Nickelodeon, but it definitely should have been Cartoon Network at the least. Yeah. Potentially somewhere completely different. <laughs> Adult swim even. Yeah. So um yeah. yeah, so this guy, this Jonan character, he um other than this show is like his most famous other work and this says a lot about the style of the show and and you know, kinda gives you an idea. A comic book called Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Oh. That is his most famous other work. Um and then from that uh, he had a spin-off comic book that was called Squee, I think. 
S-Q-U-E-E. I have that somewhere in here, but I do have a wall of notes. Um, yeah, I had way too many notes. <laughs> so this, he's got those two comic books, and the Squee spinoff of Homicidal Maniac is actually what spun off the idea for Inz- Invader Zim. Okay. Um, so the whoever was in charge of uh, sourcing shows and ideas at Nickelodeon at the time <clears throat> saw that Squee comic book and was impressed and approached him about doing a show. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so you look at a, a picture of the dude and he, you kind of, <clears throat> stereotyping of course, you kind of get the idea that he would create a show like this. <laughs> um, and then you just look at some quotes about how he talks about it and it, it makes sense. Um, but the show, I don't know, do you want to take a crack at describing uh, it, I feel let me. I how mean, it goes down. That's that's a, go that's an honor. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, so it's a show about um, this alien race. Uh, mm-hmm. What are they called? I'm, oh man, the Urken race. Urken, yes. I R K E N. Yeah, yeah, the Urken Armada. Um, so the Urken race is this from Planet Urk. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna laugh really hard through this whole segment. This is gonna be good. Um, their whole deal is that they're trying to take over the universe, right? Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The other deal is that their middle class, their lower class, let's say, is really short. And the ruling class <laughs> is really tall. The almighty tallest. The almighty tallest. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the show starts off with um, they're having this big meeting where everybody's like, okay, we're, we're, we're launching our second uh, universal... <laughs> Takeover for program. Right. Our second plan, because <laughs> this particular character, Invader Zim, well, his name is Zim, and he is an invader, yeah. uh, right. messed up the first one. Yeah, he um, he starts, like, shooting and destroying things on the home planet before they even leave. Yeah. Zim is clinically, you know, the the show is, is really, I'm sure <laughs> we'll get there, it's really stylistically, Zim is insane. Like he's clinically yeah, he's insane. insane. So is everybody. And the overtone else, of the whole show is very dark and yeah. kind of dreary and twisted. Outside of major characters and Zim, I guess the whole world is like clinically insane. Like the just the background <laughs> people are completely bonkered. mind dead. Yeah, mind yeah. dead. That's a better way to say. It. Yeah. Um, right. They're always like you see the random bystanders in the show are always just like basically. Yeah. Tongue drooling. hanging out the mouth. Yeah, like they're that. drooling <laughs> buffoons. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're having the meeting to launch the second invasion of the universe. And uh, Zim shows up despite their efforts to get rid of him. You know, because his, his mm-hmm. participation in the first one wasn't appreciated. And right. um, eventually they get rid of him by sending him to Earth. And they send yeah, they them... just randomly pick a spot on the map and say, go here. Yeah, they just point to this like corner of the galaxy which is like in the corner of the map like they had this huge map and they just point in this very bottom corner like you can go here and so they send yeah, them over there a post-it note hanging off the side this is the episode i watched it was the first one okay so there's a post-it note hanging off the side of the board that just says planet question mark <laughs> so go here funny too because if they don't know everything well part of their whole plan is they send one invader to each planet and the invader mm-hmm. either gets enough information or whatever or takes over the planet themselves depending on what's going on and so you know they send all these invaders out and 
that's not really important. Mm-hmm. So the story, the whole show ultimately is about Zim trying to fit in on Earth and disguise himself and his ridiculously stupid robot, Gur, <laughs> who's Gur. The, maybe one of the best characters ever created. Easily. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they try to fit into Earth, which is uh, just insane, a place and, mm-hmm. and the way he, you know, everything is just crazy. Um, the way he does, you know, his disguise, he's still a green alien, but he just puts on like a <laughs> just hat, has... or not, I'm um, sorry, uh, a wig. Yeah, he's got a wig, and then in alien mode, his eyes are just like this purplish, reddish color. <laughs> and then when he's in human mode, he just has pupils, basically. <laughs> With white background. His eyes go from being mostly pink to and mostly And in that white. first episode, he comes into the, the classroom, and Dib is in there, and Dib's the only one reacting. Right, right to him being an alien and he's like well what about the fact that he's got a giant green head yeah. <laughs> and nobody so dib is a main character so he's the one of the mm-hmm. intelligent ones everybody else is just like nope don't see the green head basically yep. it's basically <laughs> what happened yeah. yeah oh man it's an amazing I, um, I hope i did that justice but you know yeah, i, I no, went as quickly it. as and, i could because and... you know there's so much nuance to like mm-hmm. the what we can't describe is the style like yeah, well, I maybe can't actually. Words. Well, yeah, go no, for I it. can't describe the style. I can describe some some interesting points about the style or related to it. I'll put it that way. Uh, we'll get there. Um, but just to continue on that a little bit, um, each just the way the show is laid out, right? It's like half hour blocks, but there's two episodes per right, thing, right? right? And they're generally speaking, none of the episodes are necessarily connected. They're all kind of like independent yeah, stories, right? Um, other than, I guess, the first one a little bit. Uh, with him yeah. actually getting yeah. to Earth, right? Um, yeah, so uh, basically... Did, did you say how Dib is... His whole goal of the show is to just prevent Zim from succeeding in his goal? Yeah, I guess that's... No, I didn't. The, okay. the main conflict of the show is Dib yeah. is the only one who knows that Zim is... Right. an alien and he's trying to convince yep. everybody and, and can't understand why everybody's so dumb. Right. <laughs> um, so this is interesting. So I mentioned that the, uh, you know, it kind of was spun off from that squee comic book. Yeah. Cause why, sorry, real quick. Mm-hmm. We just spent a, a few minutes there explaining the whole thing. Your, your mm-hmm. question is really valid. Like why make all that? <laughs> yeah. Um, what a what a crazy so, story um, and all the choices and everything. Right, exactly. Um, but it was kind of in his style. So you look. I looked at just some of the artwork of that comic book real right. quick, and you can definitely see at least where that part of it. Sorry, um, one more time with the comic book name. Squee S Q U E E with an exclamation point. Forget that. So just look at the cover of it or the character. Oh yeah, yep. Looking right at it. Right, it looks just like it. Yep. Um. Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Yeah. Might have to give this a read. So really the... the Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Um, I think the whole thing just came from him being approached because of his work and Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon having the motivation for this kind of show. So basically the... He actually originally... Um, No, this one's... No, that was a different one, I think. There was a show that was pitched to Cartoon Network. I thought it was this one. 
Um, no, that was a different one. Uh, anyway, so he pitched it to Nickelodeon because basically Nickelodeon was looking to kind of create a block or portfolio of shows that kind of catered to a slightly older demographic. So they were all hmm. their shows were kind of like the 6 to 10 range. And they were trying to come up with a block of shows that were going to hit the 11 to 15-year-old target. So I think all the motivation... Yeah, right. The motivation... <laughs> Why did they get their job? Out of like, this is the greatest. Yeah, I mean, that's probably how old we were, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I did have the runtime of the show. Sorry, I'm jumping, but that would be helpful right now. Uh, uh, 2001 okay. to 2002. So, uh, and then it came back slightly for 2004. Like, they had some extra episodes, but it was really short. Um, so I was 11. <laughs> Perfect. They nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, so the original idea, as far as everybody knows, is that they were going to come up with multiple shows that are kind of more on this edgier, older demographic mm. type idea, right? This is edgy. Not necessarily. Yeah, it's super edgy. and But they never did that. They never followed through with the rest mm. of the show. So what ended up happening is you had Invader Zim that was kind of just left out on its own, didn't really fit in with any of the other shows, and was super dark compared to yeah. everything else. I mean, this compared and to, like, was Rocket Power on at the same time as... Actually, that's good that you mentioned that. Um, let me see. Okay, so yeah. So the problem... and you nailed it by saying rocket power they positioned the runtime the airtime of the new episodes between rocket power and fairly odd parents oh man they stuck they stuck invaders in in between that so you had six to ten year olds watching those other shows and all of a sudden this creepy ass alien show is in the middle of it mm -hmm. and that drove the viewership down the ratings down and everything because it wasn't people were disturbed by the show a little bit and it was in the wrong spot and real quick uh, or well maybe more later but the i just wanted to emphasize just how disturbing invader zim can be <laughs> there are some episodes that are legitimately disgusting or like just yeah disturbing yeah um <laughs> and there's some but I, I love the show it's amazing well we can uh let me move down it wall of text here for a minute um that's that's really that's really funny that they they put that in between the two yeah so nickelodeon ended up having quite a bit of control not of the show's writing but of what they allowed him to do and the team to do so like um basically yeah so a lot of people were supposed to die originally <laughs> Like, in the, I don't know if it was the first couple episodes, but at some point, Dib was supposed to die, and they were going to replace him. Huh. Um, but Nickelodeon wouldn't let him do that, so okay. Dib stayed on. Okay. Um, there was even this one episode, it's called Door to Door. This We're getting kind of the little trivia section, but um, Door to Door, and they initially pulled the episode because it was supposed to air, like, right after 9-11 or something. And it kind of had some violent oh, okay. you know, scenes yeah, in it. Yeah. So they pulled it and redid it and released it like six months later. Um, but apparently the unedited version of that, or the original version, accidentally aired sometime in 2002. So you can actually go and, I think, watch that. Um, but yeah, so characters dying. Do you remember 
his best friend's name. This is really pulling out the, the depth here. I don't expect you to. Uh, Invader Zim's, Zim's best friend. Zim's yeah. best friend from that one episode. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. Is he only in one episode? I think he's in multiple. You're talking about the really energetic kid that's like super into Zim, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh my goodness. Pretty sure that's him. Um, no, I cannot remember his name. It's Keith. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. No, I don't believe he's in just one episode. He, you know, Zim okay. like leverages him once, you know, a couple of times. Um, yeah. Well, so at oh some point, God. he, the original, I don't know what episode, but there was a, one episode where Keith, he was written in to fall into a set of power lines, get electrocuted and killed. That was in the show. Wow. And Nickelodeon said no. So the second idea, the better idea, according to Jonan, was to have him run over by a vehicle. Um, but then what they ultimately settled on and Nickelodeon was okay with is you'll remember he gets attacked by squirrels and falls off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that scene? Yeah, of course. So that scene was a three times revision wow. because that was what they considered okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're talking about the right, yeah. Because yeah. Zim, Zim like does something to him because Zim realizes he needs a best friend. It's weird so. that he doesn't have any friends. Right. <laughs> so he just like takes this poor vulnerable kid oh yeah yeah right here uh <laughs> the episode is 2a bestest friend zim notices that okay. all other children in the school seem to have friends except for him <laughs> keith um, oh my uh, goodness yeah so apparently um he came up with jonan the, the creator came up with the entire premise of the show in about an hour it says that's that's what he's credited with saying um and basically he was inspired by the idea of an alien who comes from an incredibly advanced race blah 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 um but Can't you know it. despite his power and technology and ability really to take over and destroy the earth because he really has tons of crazy shit he sits in school all day never sneaks out <laughs> he tries so hard to like you know assimilate <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny i didn't even that's a part that's a good part of the show that we didn't mention was just like yeah his choices don't he's not, he's not a good invader no, <laughs> terrible. Um, I mean, I guess that was yeah. Clear like, why is he going? Why is he spending so much time going to school when he could just destroy yeah, the earth? It's most do- <laughs> most episodes start with him sitting in class. I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe awesome. not most, but I, I do know a lot of them. Yeah, because there's mm-hmm. there's a ton of school focused episodes. There's the mm-hmm. water balloon fight episode, mm-hmm. um, parent teacher night. Or, I don't know if that's yeah, the episode just, name. It's just, that's what the episode's about. Yeah, about, right, right. Night. Um, so, let's see. Um, so, his motivations. So, going back to your main theme here. like mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess, is that kind of where it stops? Or does the show have any kind of message? Or is he just trying to... He was kind of given no, I license no, to... I don't think there's any... Me- yeah. Okay. So, create what he wanted. Um, and this is what he made. And it just totally did not, like exactly and it's really just become like this cult classic kind of cartoon yeah because you can still watch Um, it today and enjoy it as a at least yeah yeah you did today for anybody wanting to watch it yeah i was laughing the entire time um probably makes a lot more sense if you did watch it as a kid though because like the first time you see gur i imagine your questions will be many (laughs) (laughs) he's so good though yeah gur reporting for duty 
Um, so I guess at the when they initially approached him, you know, since he had so many comic books and other ideas, he initially was going to not going to, but you know, considered adapting something he'd already done. But that his other stuff is even more dark and twisted. So I guess that was it was easier to create something new. Um, so he says that he just kind of com- started to compile things that he liked from childhood, which was you know robots and monsters and aliens and all that crap. So. It was really just, I need to create something new that's catered towards kids. I've never done anything for kids before, and so what do I like as a kid? Those are those things. Um, the and, and so, yeah. The comment you made about him, um, you know, making up in an hour. I totally, mm-hmm. I, that seems quite believable because when I was thinking about, like, the episode structure, you, know, you mentioned that mm-hmm. it's two per, it's really like two 11-minute episodes. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah. ultimately, you have eight minutes of ads and twenty-two mm-hmm. minutes of content per half an hour. So, mm-hmm. anyway, um, the chaotic sort of nature of the shows—you know, there isn't any continuity, continuity necessarily from one mm-hmm. episode to the next. I mean, the characters and everything are pretty much there, but you know, each each episode is its own little thing. Mm-hmm. You, I could totally see each of those episodes basically just in an hour. He's like, okay. Invader Zim does this, he does that, yep. and you know he's faced with this problem. He's going to overcome it with this ridiculous method. <laughs> yeah, it seems very yeah, pretty much. Which I mean, um, it, it has it's a good method. Obviously, it produced because mm-hmm. I was thinking about the episodes. They are all a lot of them really are. You know, when you said he's sitting in school all the time, a lot of the episodes are based around like he's sitting in school. There's something yeah, doing kid things, right? And really. so that's the conflict is like he just got to fit in and mm-hmm. so he's just yeah which is funny because he really doesn't he does his whole mission no, as far as he's concerned fails. is to destroy the earth so to put it in perspective the way he gets there he flies there in a ship right and then when he gets to earth he finds a spot to make a house and he just puts this little screw probe thing into the ground and a house pops out right so that's the type of <laughs> yeah a whole house pops out technology of you're yeah, dealing yeah. With. yeah yeah he could and you know what's really funny what's about that is i was since i watched this today it's very fresh in my mind when the house is coming out of the ground this is random but the structure of the house starts to come out and then the couch flies out and lands on the ground. Like of all the little details for them to be like, this is what we're going to show. They say they show the couch flying out, landing in the living room. That's awesome. And then the rest of the house is just what a good, detail, um, funny. what a good writing tool. He's an alien. He's got all this crazy technology. He can pretty much do whatever he wants. So <clears throat> yeah, right. That's the beauty of cartoon restricting yourself. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so it originally had a pilot in 1999 um and i guess he he's been you know quoted as saying that they didn't really change his writing style they kind of put the block on certain language and visuals as they saw fit for children which probably was good because he'd never done any children's stuff yeah it sounds um, like as it, far I mean, as it could have been what he wanted to write the fact that it was going to be darker than what it turned out to be that is right. that is something I know. it's pretty amazing um and yeah, so he he says that says says that you know it was really difficult to go from writing comic books basically by himself right to doing a show that requires a team and and all that. Yeah. So that's kind of makes sense. a contributing factor. Um, 
So some some really cool just trivia, I guess, about the show because this was just I kept going and going. It, the Wikipedia page, I'll just put that out there that is up there for this show is definitely written by a passionate group of fans or something because it is extensive. Uh, I actually have it up because <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Um. So the animation team actually at the time anyway said that it was one of the most difficult art styles to deal with yeah as far as animating it and i guess they said because the the characters the way they look is giant heads giant eyes with tiny little bodies (laughs) and they said the eyes and the head were just the way they were drawn and the style of animating it was really really difficult and all the focus um is going to be on that right so yeah for sure you got to get it right yeah um, but one thing I also didn't know is that, and you don't even really, like, if I had not read this fact, I wouldn't think twice about it, which I guess speaks to how well it's done. One of the very first animated TV shows to merge 2D and 3D animation. Really? Yeah. What? Um... So, like, so like the ships flying around, they're always, oh, yeah. they're in, like, 3D and stuff, and then, but the way he's drawn and most Characters, of the environment... Right is 2d so it's a mix interesting but it's really well done and integrated and you can almost not tell which which is cool um so yeah i guess they they kind of looked to the creators of futurama to help with that because they were also one of the oh first shows yeah okay mm-hmm. i could see that huh mm-hmm. so yeah if you go back and watch that i guess the um the Futurama crew said they were pretty impressed with how they were doing it when they started working with them, and they specifically the the uh, source cites the episode called "The Wetening," which I'm not sure which one that is, but I guess they were particularly oh. impressed with the the in animation on that episode. Oh, I have to. I, I'm gonna make a guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it too. Uh, it's got to mm-hmm. be the water fight episode because there's the scene at the end. I don't. Wow, this is incredible. This is burned into my brain. <laughs> the scene at the end, um, well, I was impressed by it too, I guess. Um, Zim, they're having a water balloon fight, and it ends with Zim mm-hmm. making a moon-sized water balloon, and he launches it from space at the school. Um, <laughs> and the animation of it like coming through Earth and, and all that is mm-hmm. like striking. Uh, okay. Hang on. I'll have to go back. I'll watch that one next. Hang on. I'm in, I'm in the List of Invader Zim episodes, The Wetening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so dur- uh, this is, during a rainstorm after school, Zim discovers that water has a harmful effect on his skin. And so oh, Dib, right, yep. Dib creates a bunch of water-based weapons. For whatever reason, Zim decides to fight back with water and then ends with what I described. Right, okay. Yeah, I'll have to watch I, had, I bet it's that scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Um, so dur- No, that's, that's cool. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I I did take a lot of information. We're getting through it though, but it's just I don't know. This show is fascinating to me. Um, so the voice actor was Mark Hamill for Zim, in the pilot. What? Yeah, but then they switched it for a guy named Richard Stephen Horvitz. And get this, this is the coolest piece of trivia because it ties things together. The guy who voices Zim also voices Daggett from Angry Beavers. <sighs> <laughs> oh that's amazing how amazing is that oh, there's another show that's just that's one of the ones that i took some notes oh, okay. on actually perfect, perfect. 
<laughs> love to talk about anger fevers. Yeah. Um, and I guess when so they wait, were... sorry, Mark Hamill just yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke Skywalker. I don't know, right? I have that right. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think you're right. Yeah, so Mark... I didn't really know who he was, I'm and I didn't sure... spend too much time there, but I'm pretty sure you're right on that. Yes, that is correct. So I guess his issue was that he didn't want somebody that sound like he didn't think the voice was quite right, but he also didn't want somebody that sounded too recognizable. Noticeable. Yeah, who he was, you know. Yes. Plus voice acting. That's a lot of work. I don't know if Mark Hamill's yeah. ever done that, but... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. <clears throat> um, and then when they were trying to figure out the voice for Gurr, he specifically wanted somebody who was inexperienced. Because Gurr is... Yeah. If you've never seen the show, he's just, like, dumb, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> dumb and silly and... Amazing. Um, so, yeah, so they specifically wanted somebody who was kind of inexperienced because it would fit the messed up nature of of Gurr's character um so it ultimately be ended up being this guy ricky uh, but in, initially they had to kind of edit the, his voice to make it sound higher pitched and metallic to fit the robot aspect of it mm-hmm. but i guess as the show goes on and I, I couldn't tell you when this change happens they didn't have to do the high pitch editing anymore they still had to add the metallic quality but they didn't have to hmm. up the the octave of his voice Interesting. i guess he got good at it yeah it's kind of cool right um so i guess there are i don't know if it's on some dvds or something but there's unedited versions of his voice on some of the episodes like unfinished episodes okay because i guess that's worth mentioning too right there was a one full season the second season was released like a third of it and then there's episodes that were never finished episodes that were released like four years later all this stuff Yep. Um, so there are some unfinished episodes out there, and I guess you can hear, <clears throat> excuse me, unfinished or unedited versions of his voice. Interesting. <clears throat> yep. Um. Let's see. So, they Nickelodeon requested that Div get pulled from the show because he wasn't interesting enough <laughs> at first. <clears throat> so, you can actually see Dib's character kind of evolve over time as I'm sure all of them can, but he gets funnier and also huh. his head gets bigger, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that was one of his other ways of making him funnier was by making his head bigger than his body. <laughs> That's hilarious. I did not... Um... Yeah, so they, so I guess he, he adjusted him rather than pulling him out. That's um, crazy, this, this the is, way those, yeah. those design decisions, you know, you just never... Mm-hmm. As a casual viewer, you never... You don't really notice. Yeah, never think time. about yeah, any of this. No, no. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so the the episode Dark Harvest, which is like one of the first few, and Bestest Friend, the one we were just talking about, originally this this shows how much on the edge they were about this show. Those two episodes were originally supposed to air together, and Nickelodeon said no because together they're too twisted. They had to be separated. So Dark Harvest went with the Germ episode, and Bestest Friend went with Nano Zim, which I don't remember which that one is. Because <laughs> Dark Harvest is all about harvesting human lung or human organs, right? Oh, is that okay? Yeah, um, yeah. He he gets that like t- something like that. He gets this like tool. He thinks he mm-hmm. needs human organs to pass a health exam at school. <laughs> yeah. That's so the nurse is going to give him a health exam i can't believe dude i i didn't know i knew this much you're doing pretty good i gotta say 
Um, yeah, I, at least I'm pretty sure that's what's happening because it's all school based, right? Um, mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so he want, somehow he starts harvesting um, kids' organs. It's pretty fucked up. Ridiculous. Yeah, so that that episode and Bestest Friend, the one where the kid falls off a roof and gets eaten by squirrels, were so <laughs> on the edge for them that they had to separate them. That's crazy. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so just a few more little things here um, about the show. So as a way to kind of like, like not get back at Nickelodeon, but I guess just have fun with it, the, the restrictions they put on things. Um, and the censorship and stuff, they would like slip in little ways to kind of go against their wishes, just like little, you know, the developers slipping in things that would go unnoticed, um, or at least not picked up on. And I guess one of the most obvious versions of that though is, um, there's a character that's literally named Nick in the show, Mm -hmm. which I don't remember. Um, but I guess he's like always really happy and just like you know, unreasonably happy just as a way to kind of get back at Nickelodeon's demands to make the show happier and lighter. Hmm. So it was their not-so-subtle reference. Okay. I don't remember the character, though. No, I don't either. Overly happy. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing I took note on was um, there's some something, some image of Gurr with, like, blood all over him that they created for... I don't know if they initially created it for any reason. He might have just done it on his own. Um, but then they wanted to use it in the show. There should be a whole section if you saw the page up. And basically, um, the the short of the story is that they had this image. They wanted to use it in the show. Nickelodeon said no. So basically, they snuck it into the show in a frame-by-frame fashion so that the only way you can see the image is if you go frame-by-frame. Frame. I don't know how you would do it. Um, I guess on on your computer somehow you got to go frame by frame with the episode, right? But bloody Gur right here. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they snuck it in, and I guess there's some instances where it's more obvious than others, but um, it it happens more than once, I think. Otherwise, it will be a flash, or in some cases, blended into the movements of the animation. Bloody yeah. Gur is never animated and will always appear as a still image. Huh kind of interesting right and i guess he he's been asked about it and he's like yeah we did do that <laughs> um right below that section on the wikipedia page the controversy did you yeah i saw that uh, decided to leave it okay. out okay <laughs> fair enough yeah um but i do have something that will make you very excited okay they are releasing a invader zim movie this year <gasps> what <laughs> yeah called enter the florpus 16 years or something after the show stopped airing he's creating a movie with nickelodeon behind it yeah wow so i guess they've asked them before because this show's become so you know cult popular and he has always been doing other stuff or whatever declined but now he's decided to to take it on so the release date just says spring 2019 and that's, well, that's it but i think there is a trailer and a lot of the original voice actors are reprising their their show or their roles rather. Well, that's pretty. Dope. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Something for that. to look forward to. <laughs> um, there's also comic books. Did you know that? I did not. I saw that while Which we were sense. clicking around, and it looks like he's yeah, also think... continued making the comic books. 
Yeah, well, he's. I think the comic book started after the show, like 2015. Oh, so long okay. after the show, he took it as a way to continue. Got it. Got you it. know what they left off. I didn't with, know those so. existed either. I'm gonna have to check those Me out. Either. Be yeah. a real nerd about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so that show is just freaking amazing. It's worth checking out, especially if you have Hulu. It's at your fingertips if you got that. Yeah, you have no reason not to really. So I thought of a show that I can at least contribute to your overall question. Oh, we yeah. can do it after yours. Uh, you know. No, go ahead. Uh, the other ones are much less in depth, so they're just <clears throat> you know a little information, but um, fun to talk about. So, which one were you thinking of? South Park. Oh, that, oh, that is a good. One. I didn't even go there. I focused strictly on Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Yeah, well, South Park's definitely a different kind of cartoon. No, but that's. That's a good one. And obviously I didn't I didn't make it, so I'm speaking for the two creators, Trey and Matt, um, a bit. But they've been, in interviews and whatnot, one of the motivations of South Park was just to shit on celebrities. <laughs> so... Uh, that's a real, that's a real pure... Right? They just, they just hated the vapid nature of, mm-hmm. so, you know hollywood and whatnot and you know they were two creative guys creative team and they were motivated you know obviously they knew they were good at it so making money and all those things that come with it but yeah one of the one of the things they did with their found power was shit on celebrities that's awesome (laughs) and they still do that they still do that although it's funny um the earlier seasons of the show maybe up to like nine maybe things are much more like adventure like the boys go on an adventure one way or the other or right, something right. happens to them right and into that adventure they inject celebrity personalities or whatever they want to make fun of <laughs> then yeah, at a certain right. point they kind of switched over to like more of a direct social commentary on current events mm-hmm. right um but yeah so they, they they kept that main theme of uh mm-hmm. shitting on celebrities that's awesome <laughs> yeah they're good at it too yeah <laughs> and um one, I guess one other aspect I'll throw in there real quick. Uh, we were talking about it with uh, a big part of this is, you know, what is the network? How do they play into this whole mm-hmm. thing? And I feel like in Nickelodeon at least seems to have done a, a decent job with Invader Zim. And the same is said about Comedy Central and South Park. South Park, mm-hmm. the guys have repeatedly said that, like, it just wouldn't have worked anywhere else. And that the, the Comedy yeah. Central people overall have been pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. But I think as a as a writer or producer or whatever, you got to hold your ground too. Definitely it sounds like definitely. When I was reading through a lot of the Invader Zim stuff, it was you know it sounded like they were battles that you had to stand up for. It's not just a. They told me this, so I'm not going to say anything. Right, it's, you got to fight for it. Um, so one of the other shows we can just do one more here for, and then we can just kind of try to come up with the other good ones that we can think of. Um, but Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, okay. That's the other one. I, another favorite, Fantastic at least of mine. Show, yeah. So just overall, I and think that's something that's really interesting with these shows that I didn't realize. A lot of them, the runtime or like the season length and years they were on the air is quite short. Like another one I have just in the note on Dexter's Laboratory initially was only two seasons and it ran 96 to 98. That was it. Thinking of Powerpuff Girls just too. A, yeah. You know, which is funny similar. because... In one way, the impact of those shows on us was pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, you definitely saw a bunch of episodes a bunch of times. Like, you saw 
yeah. repeats oh, yeah. all the time. Like mm-hmm. I've seen the same Dexter's Lab episode. I don't remember him now, but I, yeah. I remember, you know, you definitely would have seen the same one many, many times. Yeah, for sure. The syndicated so the same shit with, out of two um, seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same with Angry Beavers. So that one, 97 to 01. That was the whole run. You know, it's funny. I actually have Angry Beavers downloaded. That's amazing. Norbert and Daggett. Norbert and Daggett. Beaver. Their last name's Beaver. <laughs> um, so that one's actually interesting. I know I, I banded Ed and Eddie real quick, but um, Angry Beaver, same creator of Freakazoid. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> We've been on a nostalgia Or he trip. was the producer, maybe... He says it says producer of Freakazoid, so maybe he didn't have the idea, but he okay. created yeah. it or a produced significant it. hand in. Yeah, yeah. So Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah. Is, uh... So that one is actually so that's Cartoon Network longest running animated show on Cartoon Network. At six seasons, it ran from 1999 to 2009. It sounds um, like there's a I pretty big was, break in the middle somewhere. There might have been a, a gap in there yeah, somewhere. Okay. I think. Um would make sense do you know if it was hand animated so that's interesting that's actually one of the most interesting things about it so it was created by this game this game this guy danny why do these people have such difficult names <laughs> antonucci okay A- a-n-t-o-n-u-c-c-i yeah anton nucci okay he's canadian Hello. um <laughs> so this this was the one that was originally picked or uh, pitched to Nickelodeon, and then they wanted too much control over the show, believe it or not, so Cartoon Network is where it ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually part... Do you remember when they had this like block of shows called Cartoon Cartoons? They'd always yell it at you. Yeah. Cartoon Cartoons? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was That's like... A great I think way to describe Dexter... it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yell it at you. <laughs> a little kid Dude, just running I was just going to say... Cartoons Cartoons. Another aspect of this That's what you got to do. Just like... Yeah, just the the marketing to kids and now mind control, mind control, and think of how many <laughs> how many toy commercials we must have seen. Like, oh god. Anyway, it's amazing. Um. Yeah. So anyway, so this guy Danny Antonucci, he basically the the reason this show came about is because he was apparently making things that are described as adult-oriented and highly disturbing animated shorts. That's what he was known for. I don't know what specifically, okay, but not kids' shows. Um, and then, I don't know if it was Friends or what, he basically was dared to create a kid show. And that's where it all starts. And Ed, Ed, and Eddie came out of that. Ed, Ed, and Eddie came out of it. Weird. <laughs> really weird, right? I guess I could see um, that the dark, chaotic energy comes out of the the dumb ed just ed yeah yeah so it's ed 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 edd or or double d he's the one with the hat and then eddie yeah edd together they are yeah and and collectively known as the eds yep and basically they're like kids i think 12 years old that type of thing live in a cul-de-sac in a uh like a suburban cul-de-sac a fictional town fictional town called peach creek oh and i didn't even know literally just about yeah literally just about their antics and really the entire <laughs> it's so dumb. the whole point of the show <laughs> is so, so that they can get jawbreakers <laughs> <laughs> and 
their favorite confectionery sugar Here, treat. And how many? Uh, how much does a jawbreaker cost? What's, Do you remember? Oh, it's a quarter. It's a quarter. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was yeah. it a nickel? That was a quarter. quarter I'm pretty right? sure uh, yeah, 25 so, cents got you a jawbreaker. And yeah, their whole, yeah. they scam and their neighborhood kid friends into they try to scam of recorders yes. to go buy jawbreakers. Just these it's... plans, these schemes, whatever it is, and usually it fails, right? Yeah, every time. I I think they get job. There is an episode where they do get jawbreakers, absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. And I remember they go rolling down the street yep. because literally when they have them in their mouth, it's just the most over-exaggerated. The jawbreakers are bigger They're than their huge. heads. huge. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah, so, and... and Eddie, two D's and Y, is kind of like the unofficial leader right. of the group, right? right. He comes He's up with all the schemes. One. Yeah. And then Double D is the smart one. <laughs> um So it's interesting. I had oh damn it, I had the um the name for it. So anyway, so they or he wanted to create the show and produce it in a way that kind of was like the old way as he called it and it was a nod to shows in like the 40s and mm. 40s through 70s is the range which seems like a big range but what the hell do i know so that's what he was targeting um so there's this certain animation style and i had it written down i thought but i don't see it anymore <clears throat> um and it was the last animated show to use this particular style and he chose it on purpose so that it kind of reflected and had that feel to it um, I just don't remember what it's called. Uh, and they actually switched the animation style partway through, I think, because it was too hard, easier, or too, too hard, um, probably. yeah, yeah. The the earlier, you know, and actually, we, if I remember correctly, we grew out of cartoons midway through. I mean, I, it had a long runtime, uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I stopped watching that probably before they switched because I'm looking at a picture. Yeah. That could be. I think we, we I think we switched before. Um, Certainly weren't watching it in 2009, that's for sure. <laughs> cell, traditional cell animation. Yes, thank you. That was what it was called. Cells. And they switched to more of like a digital right, right. version later. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently it's the last show, or at least one of the last shows to do that. Which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, that show is insane. Playing yeah, so those those you know that's how Simpsons and whatnot was made and all that, um, and they take forever to okay. make. That's the thing; yep. they take forever to make. Mm-hmm. You're 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 hand doing every single frame. Right, right. Um, yeah, so the other shows, I, I I had a little bit of information down for Angry Beavers. We kind of talked about that. Okay. Um, Rocket Power. I just started to to look up. So, um, did any of them have a? Did you find any that had a message? Like I met. No, I didn't. Okay, I didn't. Um, yeah, none of them were really. They're all very basic in their in their purpose. <laughs> um, Rocket Power was interesting, man. Just the, they really set the expectation high for what kids should be able to achieve when it comes to physical activity. <sighs> okay, so I have it. I have it up uh, the Wikipedia page. Uh, but your comment, yeah, like the animations and whatnot, you know. They were like, I just, I did not, they not have that. I did one not of the have fundamental forces. Yeah. No, there were. I specifically remember the way the animation worked out was that like he was on a you know half pipe for and on a skateboard and he'd go up in the air and do a trick, but he would literally just levitate there. For yeah. 
a good five seconds while he was spinning and flipping and then all of a sudden come back down <laughs> he turned on his electromagnet yeah, I mean, spun around a bunch of times yeah exactly then... there's really no message to show it's just kids Having in fun. a fake california town doing sports which is pretty fucking wholesome <laughs> which is pretty sweet so even that show 90 uh 99-04 so maybe that is a decent length for a normal oh, yeah, show but i guess that sounds pretty good <clears throat> i guess that's that's normal um, um, Anger Beavers was right. like, yeah. yeah, there was no message there. There's just two really dumb beavers. That's pretty much that whole show. <laughs> I wrote down a quote from that one because it was just too good not to. And I don't remember who says it, but what in the name of Aunt Eileen's cabbageless coleslaw is going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote from the show, at least somewhere. Okay, what's okay? What's really ridiculous about that is, <laughs> am I supposed to know who those people are? And if I am, how is like a eleven year old me supposed to know that? Right. Like I don't know. Like, That's got to be one year of those old, year old me know that coleslaw normally has cabbage, and it's funny that this one is cabbageless, and randomly inserted into the sentence. Like, well, and who's yeah? I, who's Aunt Eileen? Yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't matter who she is. <laughs> no, you're right. It is. It's uh, that one just made me laugh while I was reading. Yeah. So. Um, so some other shows, <clears throat> not that we need to dive into them, but I was literally just trying to list other ones that came to mind. Um, Johnny Bravo was the first <sighs> other one I wrote down. <laughs> oh man! Uh, Freakazoid, which we talked, we mentioned before. Power Puff Girls, which you mentioned, yep. which that's a clever title, Power Puff instead that of that show. That, there's an interesting one. Female centric, everything you know, cartoon. Mm-hmm. So like. You know, especially back in the '90s, uh, not as woke as we are today. Um, <laughs> that is a that's an interesting one, and it was a good show. I'm not ashamed. To say, I, yeah. I I enjoyed that show quite a bit. Um, yeah, for sure. Bubbles was super funny. The the blue sister. Yeah, Red yep. Bubbles. Yeah, Buttercup and I think so. Um, Shit, another Oh my goodness. Bubbles? Yeah, what? I can't remember. Oh man! All right, uh, gonna drive somebody crazy. Powder or pow- was is it powder or power puff? No power. power. That's why it's kind of a clever title. Oh right, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, sorry, I'm holding this up here. No, you're I can't good. believe um, Blossom. Blossom. Yeah, that's right. She's red. <laughs> uh, some of the other ones, um, Rugrats came to mind cat dog oh my god and then the last which literally cat and dog together in one hey arnold we already mentioned and then um this one actually just came to me now wild thornberries all these shows there's a show that might have had a message wild thornberries that one was all or at least had a purpose in terms of something beyond entertainment um (laughs) yeah you could be right on that maybe it uh i actually don't i didn't enjoy that one too much um, but you know, it was a nature centric show, so right, lame. Let's put it this way: if Any... Wild Thornberries is on and Invader Zim was on, you know, sorry, but you're watching Invader yeah, Zim, totally. Holy crap! The Powerpuff Girls was nominated for six Emmy awards. Holy shit! God damn! Cool. Any other shows that come to mind while we're wrapping oh, up here? Uh, I think maybe the last one would be SpongeBob. 
Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> that one was too obvious for me to even write down, apparently. Um, Good call. And actually, the guy, I believe, uh, one of the creators or somebody Creator. heavily involved, just unfortunately passed away. Yeah, I think it was the creator, right? Yep. Uh, November 2018, so just a few months ago, Steven Hillenberg. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Sounds that right. sucks. Yeah, that show. That, that show is legendary. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, that almost gets kind of like Invader Zim did. You you yeah. dedicate some time if you're going to talk about SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, that's probably a good one. What an insane character. <laughs> why is it? Uh, sorry, I keep going here, but why is it that the dumb characters are always my favorite? And I think a lot of people's favorites. Patrick is the best. It's like dumb and lovable. Yeah, Gurr. Gurr is the best. Yep. Um, Ed. Ed is one D. Yep. Ed is the best. <laughs> Out of the three Powerpuff Girls, Bubbles the is kind of like mm-hmm. the dumber, cuter one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just actually, that's oh, that's pretty stereotypical. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> Any well, yeah, yeah. No, I think so there you go. Yeah, so Hopefully Spongebob. that. Uh, that inspires some people to go watch their old shows. But you have to be careful because I feel like with some shows or anything like this, you go back to it and it's not the same. So you got to be careful. Yeah. Like Invader Zim holds up, but if you went back and watched Cat Dog, you might be disappointed. So just, you know, take Excuse it. Excuse me, definitely. Use your judgment. Um, yeah, it's like playing uh, other older video games too sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big one for me is always uh, GoldenEye. GoldenEye is not... It's a great yeah, game. because you're have... going in... Yeah. You're going in and reevaluating it with your current... Perspective. Knowledge and perspective, right? You're Whereas right now, it, or prior to that, it's however you remember it. So, yeah. yeah. GoldenEye is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have just alienated a huge faction of people by saying that. <laughs> All right, Joe. All right, thanks for listening. One year anniversary. Yeah, one year's into this. Thank you for listening. Um, yep. Reach us at the usual places, Instagram, Twitter, wanderingberrycenter at gmail.com. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>